Hello, this is Kate. Sorry, I sound like a monster. I have a cold. But we wanted to just leave a quick note before we start the show to let you know that the book that we're discussing in this episode has a protagonist who survived a public mass shooting. Uh, we recorded the episode prior to the February 14th Parkland school shooting, and we understand that a lot of people looked to this podcast as more lighthearted entertainment. So if you don't want to hear us discussing fictional gun violence, totally understand if you want to skip this episode forever or for the time being. Um, we also apologize if any of our discussion seems lighthearted. Our hearts are definitely with the very real people who were affected by gun violence, and we stand with the Parkland students and everyone else rallying for stricter gun control. But timing is a bitch. Finally, on a more administrative note, we've shuffled the order of our episodes a little bit to accommodate some scheduling issues. So the next episode will be Wonder by RJ Palacio, and Having It All will instead air later this month. So thank you, and enjoy the episode. And welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we reconvened Nora Roberts Book Club so you don't have to. Although you should. I'm Renata. <laughs> and I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Angel's Fall by Nora Roberts. Joining us to discuss this paragon of literature is publishing lackey slash internet recluse, Christine. Hi, and uh, I just want to uh, have a full disclosure here that I am Kate's secret cousin Nicole's lesser half. <laughs> Which, of course, makes me and Kate absolutely nothing. <laughs> is, is Nicole a secret? I mean, that was, that's what she said on your first time she was on the show. So. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, correct. <laughs> uh, this is the, we need to start drawing like a family tree for the podcast. Just like uh, I bet Nora Roberts has for some of her book series. Is. Oh, she absolutely does. So, see, we're just seamlessly on brand here. We're just so good at this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to Nora Roberts Month. If you somehow skipped our previous episode, we decided that for February, since it's like Valentine's Day month and Galentine's Day month, we are just going to love ourselves and treat ourselves the gift of Nora Roberts, whose books are great and not at all worst. But they are definitely bestsellers, and we're going to talk about them more. Correct. Excellent life choices. Yes. So the uh, Whiskey Beach was the last one we read, and I read that in ebook. And this one I got in hardback from the library. And I do want to talk about, and I will put this on the website, Nora Roberts' author photo on this. She is just wearing, like, a black pantsuit and sitting in a high stool and just looking like just a boss like 90s bitch and i love it it's kind of what if i imagine uh joni looking like a little bit yeah I, yeah like joni's goals i feel like joni on her day yeah. off yep in her business empire yes once she's expanded but that's spoilers for the end of this book so <laughs> uh well first christine do you want to talk a little bit about your relationship with nora roberts my personal relationship with her yes it, it's very deep. Um, <laughs> actually, I mean, I start. 
Go ahead. I was going to tell us about the time that you met her and how how that single moment seemed to linger forever. Yeah, I can remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, <laughs> I often have dreams about it. Uh, no, actually, we went, my sister and I went to a book signing in, I think it was Long Island in this little bookstore because my mom was such a huge Nora Roberts fan. So we wanted to get her a personalized signed copy of the book and it was uh, the villa i believe uh and yeah she did like a q a session she was hysterical and then she she um you know we got up and we got to sign the book and it was she has this very loopy flowing handwriting uh, i think she wrote like three words in the in the book to my mom and and then you know that was it it's just magic that's so nice uh Mom, if you, my mom, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry I haven't gotten you a signed Nora Roberts book yet. I'm not as good of a daughter as Christine is. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this was like 10, 15 years ago, so she probably, she'd only written 150 books by that point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, Kate, we're just going to have to go to the inn at Boonesboro, and I bet they sell pre-signed books there. I am all up for this worst <laughs> bestsellers were a trip. <laughs> patreon goal yes somewhere somewhere before purchasing ruthless.com <laughs> which brief update on ruthless.com for anyone who remembers that debacle uh somebody like cold emailed me and was like hey i i saw that you had previously requested to buy ruthless.com and like now i own it and i'll sell it to you and uh, originally it had been posted for like $50,000 and he was like, I'll sell it to you for like $75,000. And I was like, wait, it was already outrageously expensive and now you want more for this worthless domain name? No, thank you. <laughs> and uh, and then he he sent a follow-up, he sent like two or three follow-up emails and finally I wrote back, I would pay $20 for this. <laughs> and he, high. Yeah, and he wrote back, oh, that's too low, goodbye. <laughs> So we still don't own Ruthless.com. In future. But uh, we do have these Nora Roberts books to talk about. Back on track. (laughs) So, uh, Christine, you you picked out Angel's Fall for us. um, And you said it's one of your favorites. Do you want to talk about why it's your favorite or uh, any, you know, tell us about it. Tell us about it, Janet. Yeah, I mean, it's one of my favorites because uh, I don't hate the main male character. Uh, I think he's just enough of an asshole to be endearing. I like, it's one of the better mysteries that she's done where you can't immediately guess who the bad guy is. Uh, I also like the little bit of gaslighting that's going on. Uh, I think the dialogue's great. Well, I think all her dialogue's great, but I especially like that the story is, you know, at its very basis is about a woman sees something and she tells a man and the man believes her, you despite having no evidence. Yeah. Which is such a rare occurrence. So, uh, yeah, it's just some of those are some of the things that I really enjoyed about it. Yeah, I, I like this one a lot, too. I liked it more than Whiskey Beach, but not as much as Black Hills. Well, there's no giant cats. Exactly. That is a that is a major failing of this book. And most books. It's a major failing of most literature published today, I would say, actually. Well, Renata, I'm going to say that you probably should start reading the J.D. Robb books because there is, in fact, a cat in those books. Oh, great. And the cat doesn't die? 
cat is actually uh, saves the main character's life at one point. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Great. Okay, so now we know a little bit about what this book has and what it doesn't have, namely big cats. I guess we can try to summarize the plot, uh, which is it's about a woman named Reese, not Witherspoon, and not spelled the same. But played by Heather Locklear in the movie. Oh, I'm. you'd mentioned that there was a movie and I'd forgotten already, so now I'm excited and I probably should check that out. I looked it up, and just another diversion before we start. Um, Jonathan Sheck plays Brody. Who's that? Uh, he is um, from That Thing You Do, like the guy who is like real stuck up and obsessed with the music and kind of an asshole. Off to write a hit song. Yes, alone in his principles. But more, bet, more relevant to my interests, although That Thing You Do is very relevant to my interests, uh, he is the lead character in the Masters of Horror episode, The Washingtonians, which is about uh, George Washington and the Founding Fathers being a uh, bunch of cannibals who founded our country on the basis of cannibalism. And it's insane, and I love it. And yes. Amazing. Nora Roberts has something for everyone, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> true. Uh, anyway. Reese. Uh, Reese arrives in a town called Angel's Fist, and she is her car breaks down, and we, we get that she's, like, very flustered. Um, we don't exactly know, like, why or, like, what her whole actual deal is. But it's a small town, and people are so nice to her when her car breaks down, and they help her out, and then she goes to the to the local diner, which is called Angel Food, actually, but everyone calls it Joni's, because Joni owns it, and she sees a sign saying, help wanted, like, they're hiring a cook, and she asks about the job, and Joni- And she feels like it's, like, a sign yes. that- she was meant to be here. Although at this point in the narrative, we don't necessarily know why that is. Right. And so Joni is like, you want to be a cook? Go in the kitchen, like make a sandwich. And which I, I don't think is how job interviews normally go. But, but that's what women do. They go in the kitchen and make a sandwich, right? Exactly. So uh, she does, she does it great. She gets the job. Uh, she gets a room at the hotel we know at this point that there that something has happened to her. Like she has said a couple of times, like very vaguely, like, Oh, like I'm from back East or I, I'm, I think at one point she says, Oh, I'm from Boston. Yeah. By the way, she and... is from Boston and this like whiskey beach reveals Nora Roberts tenuous grasp on Boston and East coast geography because multiple times Reese talks about how, she, you know, she used to live in, in Boston and she used to like go to the salon on Newberry street which is like the fancy shopping street of Boston, but it's spelled new B-U-R-Y in actual Boston, but Nora Roberts spells it new B-E-R-R-Y, which is not a big yeah. deal, but I noticed it. I did as well. And we, we, she has like these night terrors and we get the impression that something really terrible happened to her and she is running away from her past. 
Uh, and it's sort of implied when she takes the job at Joni's that it has something to do with food or cooking or restauranting because uh, she's very nervous about taking it because I think like she says at one point, the last time like she worked in a kitchen, terrible things happened or something. But we don't know the whole story yet. Right. And... Oh, also, speaking of East Coast, I said the town is called Angel's Fist. I don't think I said it's a Wyoming but um, it is, and so we get oh. we get a lot of. So she's she's pretty far from Boston, so she doesn't have to remember how to spell things there anymore. And so we also intermittently get a lot of descriptions of like how beautiful the scenery is. Yes. Ah, uh, so at Angel Food, uh, Joni's Diner, we meet Linda Gale, who is the other waitress, or who is the waitress, because uh, because uh, Reese is not a waitress. Who works there? We meet Lo, who is Joni's man whore son, mm-hmm. who sleeps with every woman, and he tries to sleep with Reese, and she like blows him off, and like everyone is shocked because no woman ever in the world has said no to this man, and it's like just weird, so weird that she would be like that. Lo is like if Gambit from X Men didn't have mutant powers and he just like lived in a small town. And just was yes. a small town dirtbag with no other skills. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I take such offense to that. <laughs> um, but and Christine, meet... but Christine, I love Gambit. Yeah, but he's got a way better accent. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we also meet Brody, uh, who is like Reese, an outsider to the town. He moved there a few years ago, and he's a writer, and he rents a cabin in the woods and uh, comes out every couple days to have dinner at the diner and then goes back to his cabin to write. Uh, and Brody so is like, you. Brody is like if Wolverine were in this book. <laughs> like, Nora <laughs> Roberts saved me the trouble of playing our game that we'll play later, and she was just like, yes, I put both Gambit and Wolverine in this book for you. Bye. <laughs> Um, but he's he's very much that kind of like I'm a loner and I just like to like eat meat by myself and not talk about feelings grr he's very he's got a very like oh like he doesn't need to ask for gossip because he knows like the machinations of a small town and he knows that if he just waits long enough someone will be dying to tell him the gossip without him having to ask and look like he cares about things and when we get his pov like it's very like i i know these people as an outsider from observing them and i find them charming but like also sort of think of myself above all of this but weirdly as i'm saying this like not in an off-putting way like i feel like that stereotype would normally make me be like i hate this person uh but i do actually kind of like brody so yeah i listen i love wolverine i love brody i'm on board Um, Also, another thing that he thinks about a lot, and actually everyone in the town is very preoccupied with, is that Reese is too skinny and she needs to gain 10 pounds, which also came up a lot in Whiskey Beach. And I think um, on the cover of my copy of the book, it says, you can't bottle wish fulfillment, but Nora Roberts certainly knows how to put it on the page dash the New York Times. And I feel like that is some, you know, obviously there's like a lot of body shaming and like whatever to go into that. But I think 
like, that idea of, like, oh, you're too skinny and you need to eat and that's what everyone is obsessed with is, like, kind of a big, a big idea that is appealing to a lot of people. There's a lot of things with Nora Roberts that you'll find sort of repeat in, in books. That's one of them. The fact that men always have slightly shaggy hair or hair that they can pull back just in a little tiny ponytail. Like Gambit. Yeah, and uh, anytime they have very bad white wine, it is described as either warm piss or horse piss. Huh. So you'll find that shows up in a lot of the writing. Oh, we could we should play um, Nora Roberts Bingo. Yes. Oh. Next time. Yeah. Next time. Uh, so we meet all these people in the town, and Reese decides at first she's like, I'm not going to rent a room because I don't think I'll stay here very long. And then after a couple days, she asks Joni if she can rent the room above the restaurant. Um, And she moves in. It's very small, but she doesn't have a ton of stuff. And uh, like we said earlier, she's got this kind of PTSD thing going on where she always like keeps a packed bag and she's ready to leave at any point. And like she sleeps with a flashlight. and 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 she's very double checks the locks all the time. And that's one of the reasons she didn't like the hotel, because she didn't think the locks were good enough at the hotel. Yeah. And she gets a new lock put in the room when she rents it. Which is kind of interesting, because uh, the main character that you read in Black Hills was never locking anything. Mm, Yes. This is like the extreme She had a cougar. A cougar is better than a lock. (laughs) True. Sure, I forgot about the cougar. <laughs> uh, so she's she's settling in and she's kind of got this like flirtation going on with Brody and one day she decides that she it's her day off from working at the restaurant and she's going to take a walk on a hike in the woods to like look to, at the scenery angel, and to, exercise to Angel Falls to Angel Falls yes this is um, a terrible idea <laughs> <laughs> and uh, while she's uh, resting, she's looking out like over, um, is it a lake or a river? She's a river. looking down on land, on a landmass that she can see like far away from where she is. And uh, she sees a man and a woman arguing and she starts to like make up like a story about what they're fighting about in her head. But then like the man starts to get violent and she starts to get freaked out and then he overpowers the woman and uh, strangles her and she dies. And Reese is very obviously freaked out by this and upset. And she runs off of back down the hiking trail and she bumps into Brody and tells him what happened. So the two of them together, like go to his cabin and call the police and tell them what happened and the police go to investigate but when they come back they tell her rick the chief of police uh tells her that he looked around and he couldn't find any signs of a murder that there was no tracks in the area that she pointed out that there's no and, and brody's like brody's like i know this area super well and he had pointed out exactly on the map where it would be and there's nothing there yeah also um, is Rick the only police officer, or is there someone else who works there? There are other people that work there. He's the sheriff. Okay. And he's, he's when when they talk to the police, it's, it's mainly through Rick. Yep. Yes. So she's, you know, upset by this, and she's, like, so sure that she saw something, but 
Rick is very dismissive, um, but Brody believes her because... Because he... we get his POV, too, and, like, he sees how shaken up she is, and he sees, like, the terror in her eyes, and he knows that it's real terror. Yeah. So life, like, sort of goes on for Reese. She's still shaken, but she doesn't want to tell anyone what happened uh, because she doesn't want them to, like, gossip about her. Yeah. Although this is the point where people start, like, Googling her and words getting around town that why she's here and, like, what happened to her before was that she had worked at a fancy restaurant in Boston and there was a, a mass shooting at the restaurant, and she's the only survivor of it. And, like, 12 other people died at the restaurant. And she was shot also, but just survived it. Yeah, and she was, like, in a coma for a week, and she was very close to the people who owned the restaurant. They were, like, family to her, and there's, like, a lot of guilt piled on. Like, the reason that she was away from them was because they were planning a surprise party for her and she knew about it so she had like gone to the kitchen to quote like clean up even though it was clean to give them time to set up and that was kind of what saved her in the end Mm -hmm. and then and then also she checked herself into a mental hospital later for like lingering ptsd and anxiety and trauma and whatnot yeah that's clearly still an issue for her but she's just getting better And a lot of her trauma is specifically around the fact that she she saw the killers. She saw who they were, but she didn't get a good enough look for them to capture them. And she, like, beats herself up over the fact that she didn't look closely enough and get a good enough look to give an ID. So it like there it's sort of implied that like, oh, well, like that's why she thinks she saw this, because she still has trauma from when she didn't see the things she was supposed to see. Uh but like conversely, like we when we get her point of view and we get Brody's point of view, uh she knows like all the details down cold, which is another reason why Brody believes her. Um, that she is beating herself up over not noticing more, but she noticed, like, tons of things about what happened. Like, she could describe it in detail. Uh, So she's, like, just, like, gone sort of back to her life, and she notices one day she comes home from work and she can't find her hiking boots or something, and she opens the cabinet, and her hiking backpack and hiking boots have been put in the kitchen cabinet, And the bowls that are in that cabinet were put in the closet where her hiking boots and backpack normally would be. So she, like, kind of blows it off, like, oh, wow, I must have been really distracted. Another time, like, a couple days later, she realizes that this bag that she thought she had unpacked was packed again. Um, And she just figures that... And her map is all marked up and, like... um... Like, the area that she had seen was, like, circled really strongly in red, and she didn't remember drawing on the map. Yeah. Stuff like that. You know, it's very it's very classic gaslighting. At first, it's very innocuous things, um, and it progresses and gets, like, more intense to the point where, like, one night uh, she comes in and someone has... What, what did they... What did he do all over the bathroom? Well, that's... I know they had to he, paint. He wrote... On the, on the, he wrote something? Oh, there she, was she a... Got a sketch, she got a sketch done um, by yes. the doc. And he, he taped a picture of the woman that doc had sketched up and basically wrote all over the tiles, is this me? 
which is sort of he was trying to say, am I just did I was I just seeing myself just projecting myself on this woman that supposedly was killed? Yeah. Yes. Which because the because Rick, the sheriff, is not taking this seriously, like there's not an official police sketch artist, but Reese and Brody, who we said he's a writer. I don't know if we said he's like a crime mystery writer. So he is often doing like research into murder and things like that. And so he kind of has some ideas as well. So Reese and Brody are teaming up to try to figure this out. And they do get that sketch done. And they've been, you know, asking around and kind of doing their own investigation. Yeah. And uh, a, a sort of subplot that we haven't really touched on yet is that. Uh, Linda Gale, who is the waitress who works at Joni's restaurant, she has been in love with Lo like for a million years and tells Reese very matter of factly like, oh, we're going to get married one day. And Reese is like, oh, like, uh, congratulations. And she's like, no, like, he doesn't know it yet, but it's going to happen. Like, don't even I am 100% sure that this is like our future and I am just waiting until he gets tired of fucking his way through everyone else in the Tri-County area yes Um, yes so one night Reese is going out with Linda Gale and she like runs upstairs to change her clothes after her shift and then Mm -hmm. runs back down and like locks the door behind her and they go out to the bar and when to how, karaoke events here to karaoke. Yeah, karaoke and then is this this isn't the bar fight time it's a different time no this is the first time they the go to the bar okay. okay yeah so then they she gets back and the the bathtub water had been running and it's flooded over and everything's fucked up in the bathroom in her and yes and, and it's leaked through down into the diner yes yeah and like ruined a portion of the ceiling and a couple of the tables and she's like freaking out because she knows she didn't do it and yeah, she's like i just changed my clothes i didn't even like run the bathwater. how would i like leave it running and um Joni surprises her by believing her and being like yeah, like, you wouldn't do this, that's stupid. Like, I yeah. I believe you, like... Because Joni, Joni also is kind of like Wolverine. She's, like, a very, like, tough love and, like, kind of gruff person. Um, but she's she's not, like, a dick about it. Well, yeah. she also points out that Reese double-checks almost everything that she does. So she's like, why would you turn on water and then not check that you turn it off? Right. Yeah. Um, So now we're up to, like, two people that are on her team. And she and Brody are continuing to, like, investigate in their own time. And everyone, like, everyone in town has now heard, like, her sad story. So, like, people are saying things to her, including uh, Rick's wife, Debbie, comes in one day and, like, faux... Yeah, uh, she's like, oh, yeah, she's like, I just want to talk to you, like, lady to lady. I'm sure it must be so hard, like, with all your trauma that you've been through. And I'm sure, like, you must think that you, like, saw that. And she's just, like, a, um, and she, like, tries to trick her into saying something, but I forget what exactly her angle is, but it's, it's ill-intentioned. Yeah, it, she's like, um, what was the name of the, the mean girl in the Whiskey Beach? The yoga mean girl. Uh, I want to say Heather. 
I was going to say Heather, too, so it must be Heather. Yeah, it's like that character in Whiskey Beach. Like, very, like, kind of, like, oh, like, I'm so concerned about you. And I'm not just saying that so that you'll tell me information so that I can gossip about you with everyone else. Like, I'm just concerned. That's why I'm bringing up all of your past trauma. And Debbie is Rick's wife. So she's kind of like saying, you know, basically stop making my husband work so hard because you're crazy. Yeah. So yeah, Brody, Brody, and I guess we never actually said that Brody and uh, Reese hooked up, but they did. Oh yeah. And it's, and it's super hot and they are into it. And uh, Reese, it's a big deal for Reese because it's the first time she's like been with anybody physically since, uh, you know, her trauma. And then, you know, Brody keeps himself. He's not with a lot of people either. And he's also, um, oh God, his point of view is hilarious. Like whenever it's his POV, because he's so like, well, I'm a man and I don't like girl stuff, like vegetables and sheets and just like the things that he thinks are like girly are absurd, but I love it. (laughs) But also it's like, wait, how are you alive as a person? Uh, Like also... Listening to any music by a woman is, like, not okay. Like, whatever. It reminded me of that viral tweet from that guy who was like, I don't, like, do girly things like brush my teeth or exfoliate. (laughs) And everyone was like, you you think brushing your teeth is girly? Yeah. Yeah, so it's very that, like, oh, now I'm with Reese and she's going to want me to do girl stuff, like brush my teeth and wash my sheets and eat a vegetable. (laughs) And clean my kitchen. Yeah. And yeah, again, I cannot stress this enough. I like him. (laughs) I like Brody. And it's, it's a weird balance that somehow has succeeded. I think it's, I think because it's because it's like sort of self-aware, like he's not necessarily self-aware, but Nora knows that he's absurd. Like, so the reader knows that like some of these things are absurd, but like that kind of makes it And he does, he does sort of come to realize that some of it's dumb. Yeah. And then I think combined with the fact that like on the important issues such as trusting Reese and, you know, he hashtag believes women so I'll cut him some slack. One night while Reese is over Brody's house, um, they're in bed and they had just had sex and Brody got up to do something and Reese, like, I think goes to the bathroom and she turns around and she sees someone in the house and she's sure that it's this guy who's been, like, stalking her and gaslighting her. And once again, like... Brody believes her and like they go like look I I don't remember I don't know if he sees him at this point but he like I don't think he saw the guy but he believes her yeah and they call and the they... police yeah we yeah, should and... mention actually that Brody is the one who eventually says you know Reese I don't think you're doing these things I think someone is doing them to you because Reese is pretty much convinced I you know I must be having some sort of breakdown I must be doing this and Brody's like or maybe some weirdo is fucking with you Oh, so at first Reese doesn't uh, Reese doesn't tell anyone about the first like lower level gaslighting things that happened to her because she does think she's just been absent minded. But then as it kind of escalates and starts, you know, doing property damage, then she's like, "Well, this happened," and she tells Brody at least about the other stuff. 
And he kind of talks her through it very logically, because that's also his thing, too, is, like, feelings are for girls. I am logical. And he talks her through step by step. He's like, well, like, before, did you have this kind of, like, missing time thing happen to you where you would just, like, forget that you'd done things? And she says yes, but then they talk about it more and realize that, like, this stuff only happens when she's alone and there's no one else with her and before she would kind of like space out or like disassociate or whatever, like when she was talking to other people and then they would be like, Hey, you know, earlier today you like bought this sweater and it didn't really seem like your style. And she's like, what the fuck this sweater? Uh, And so he's like, it doesn't really make sense that this would now start only happening to you when you were like at home alone. Yeah. Um, So that night that she is at Brody's and she sees uh, the man in the house, Brody calls the police and Rick shows up and he looks around and once again, like he can't find any evidence that anyone has been there. But no, no, like footprints in the garden or anything. Yeah. um, But Brody is very adamant that this did actually happen. Was this before, was this before they went into Jackson Hole? Yes. Yes. Okay. So the evidence is starting to, like, as they're investigating this, um, they're starting to get evidence that makes it look like Lowe might be the killer. Yeah. Oh, also around halfway through the book or so, we do start getting, and we have had this happen in other Nora books, where we're getting these little unattributed sections of POV that are from the killer, and we get that the killer is, like, obsessed with women being, like, pure or like not pure or like whatever and and yeah and so that sort of also leads you to think like oh maybe it's low because you know he sleeps with a lot of women but maybe he doesn't like it when they like sleep around or whatever yeah so uh also there is a point where they're at the bar uh linda gale and reese and Linda Gale dances with someone else, and Lo like loses his shit and starts a bar fight. Yeah, and Reese has like a she panics in the middle of it, and she's just like trying to get out of there, and she's freaked out, and she like bumps into a table and flips over the table, and it's kind of like a comedy of errors almost, except that people get like medium hurt from it, and so she gets kind of called into the police station to be like, "Did you?" St- you know, somebody said you, like, threw flipped over a table, and she's like, no, that's not what happened. But it's, it's but a she, big scene. Dur- during that bar scene, she also saw, again, the man that uh, that killed the woman. So oh, yes. that's sort of what yes, caused yes. her to freak out. That's right. So Lo and Linda Gale get together, because Linda Gale is basically like, look, like, I I love you. You know it. Like we're gonna get married someday, but like you can't treat me like shit every time I look at another man. If you're not gonna like fucking man up and be with me, like either you're with me and I won't dance with other men, or you're not with me and I can do whatever the fuck I want. And he's like, okay, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> and theoretically, like gives up his man whoring ways to be with her, but um. She, there's a couple times where he's supposed to be somewhere with her and he cancels and tells her one thing, but she hears like other things from other people. He he says he had to work late, but his friends say that he went out to like a a bar or something. Yeah. Something not work. 
Yeah, which, like, kind of adds to the, oh, like, maybe he was the one who did it because that was the night that some terrible thing happened to Reese. And they find out the identity of the woman who was missing, who was killed, and sort of do, like, some low-key detective work, driving into the town where she lived and, like, talking to her landlord and talking to her former boss and trying to find out more information about her. Uh, And... They find out that she she was wearing a necklace that was like a moon and diamonds. So they talk to the jeweler who's like, oh, yeah, we did a whole line of celestial necklaces that were like moons and suns with diamonds. And they ask him who sold who he sold that one to and he won't tell them. But right after they leave, he, like, makes a phone call mysteriously. Wow. We're winding up at this point. Yeah. Oh, well, um, Reese and Brody are, like, having dinner and talking about their findings. And Linda Gale and Lo are out for, like, a Saturday night date that Lowe's being really mysterious about, like, where it is, and he won't tell her, you know, he's like, I want it to be a surprise, and Reese is really nervous, and she's like, you have to call me when you get there, and, you know, I'm just worried, and I don't think she tells Linda Gale that she thinks Lowe is the murderer, because she knows, you know... Maybe he's not. Yeah, and, like, like basically, like, yeah, this is a real friendship ruiner if I accuse your boyfriend of murder, and he's not, but... She thinks he is, and so she's worried, but then Linda Gale gets so, like, swept away with the romance or whatever that she forgets to call, and we're sort of cut away, and we're like, oh, shit, is Logan gonna murder her? Is he the murderer? Is that what's happening? And then... Oh, and also... Brody gets a call from Rick to say, hey, I we actually found out some stuff. I need you to come out here so that I can explain everything that's going on, because we made some, like, breaks in the case. Yeah. Yeah. And also somewhere in there, Brees and Rodia had a fight because <clears throat> because <laughs> Reese said she was going to make Italian wedding soup, and Brody thought she was hinting that he wanted her, to, she wanted him to propose to her, and he got very upset because he's a man, and and they don't eat soup. They do not eat soup, especially not wedding soup, and <laughs> and it's absurd. But so they had kind of a rocky point, but about that. So Reese runs off when she doesn't hear from Linda Gale to, like, find her and see what's going on. And well, she Brody a... goes to Rick's. I was going to say gonna... that, yeah, I was going to say Reese has a revelation about the necklaces. She's like, I know where I've heard, you know, they, the woman that was killed, they said the man that was with her called her his dark side of the moon. And then she's like, I've heard something like that before. So she has this revelation and that sort of causes her to run out of Joni's and Joni's all like, you run out of here, you're losing your job. And she's like, I have to go. And then. Yeah. So she, um, she runs to find Brody at Rick's because what she realizes is that Debbie, Rick's wife has the sun necklace the sun with the diamonds or she runs to to i think debbie's first and asks her interrogates her about her necklace and then like runs to brody's yeah because uh she needs to like stop him from going to rick's and it's too late and so she runs rick, co- rick comes up and uh and 
basically bops her over the head. Yeah. And she she comes to like a, he's he's drugged because he one of the things he did was like flush all of her pills um, her like her sleeping pills and her antidepressants and everything. So she he drugs Rick's tea with some pills and uh, with some sleeping pills and then like bops and he, over the head. Well, and then he and then um, he's like a villain monologuing. Yes. And I think actually, Reese... I think before that we had him villain monologuing to Brody. Yeah. Yeah. Of like, a lot of villain monologuing. A lot, yeah. Because it starts off like, oh, you know what? You're right. I didn't believe Reese and I feel bad about that. But now I feel really bad because like, she figured it out and I'm the fucking killer. Ah! And, uh, and he, he uh, he's gross and I don't like him. Yeah, uh, but Reese Reese runs off to try and get help and runs to the cabin that Lo and Linda Gale are in because it turns out that really the reason that Lo was so being so shady was because he took Linda Gale's little speech to heart and was out buying an engagement ring and he didn't want to tell his friends because they wouldn't think it was cool. So and, and also because he wanted it to be a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's why he was, like, so secretive lately, and so he, like, proposes, and then they have sex. And so then Reese bursts into their cabin and, like, takes a gun and runs out again. (laughs) It was, like, on display. Yeah, because Joni, in addition to owning the restaurant, is, like, a little landlord, and she owns that cabin and some other ones that she, like, rents out. So she runs back with the gun, and shoots rick's ass yeah, yeah. it's very and it's very uh, uh vindicating yep. yes um so they they manage to like bring rick in and like Lo and linda gale show up and they get him to like surrender his gun because he shot brody and yeah not bring him you in. know non-fatally brody's gonna yes, be okay yes. and they they bring him in and he confesses and he like he had been having an affair with this woman who like wanted to he wanted to break it off and she was threatening to tell his wife and he couldn't let that happen because his wife and his children are so important and he had to respect them and respect that relationship so like he felt bad that he had to murder so many people but like he did have to murder them he he did he had to i mean i always feel bad when i have to murder people it's awful (laughs) Uh, so, oh, uh, throughout the, the other, one of the other subplots is that, um, uh, Reese is gonna write a, ki- a cookbook. Oh, yeah. And, uh, cause she, like, had all these recipes and had always thought about doing one before, but Brody thinks it's a really good idea, and she, like, writes an introduction and lets him look at it, and he sends it to his agent, who's like, oh, yeah, like, this is great, we'll publish this, because agents for cookbooks are the same as agents for mystery novelists as everyone knows as we all know and much like the last much like the last book despite the fact that she's a publishing giant i i have some questions about how much nora knows about the publishing industry right or just some i think this is also just wish fulfillment for nora it additionally the fact that both with brody and uh What's his name from Whiskey Beach? Both of them, she makes a point of having the women characters be like, 
oh my god, like, you're a man, but actually you wrote this woman character so well, and I just love your woman character. And it's, yeah, pretty, that's, it's pretty that's good. That's how you know the book is fiction. Right. <laughs> uh, so the book ends with, like, Brody's like, oh, like, I'm gonna buy this cabin from Joni and make a big kitchen in it for you to cook things and we'll live happily ever after because I have accepted my feelings. And I'll get a second chair for my porch that yes. you can sit on sometimes. And yes. that's just kind of where we end up. Oh, and he proposes that since a- another running thing through it is that, you know, Joni's is like a diner and so Reese is making like simple diner food, but in her soul she like wants to make more like you know, she wants to be, like, the top chef or whatever, and so she keeps being, like, Joni, I can't believe you use, like, dried herbs. You should get fresh herbs and, like, finest ingredients. And Joni's like, girl, it's a diner. Make your hamburger. (laughs) Um, And so they have this idea that since Joni's, like, the local landlord, she can build a second restaurant in town and have it be sort of, like, more upscale, and then uh, uh, Reese can be in charge of that and then there's like the diner for like the simple folk but then they'll have like a fancy restaurant also for like date night and such and we leave off that like oh they're just gonna be happily ever after here in Angel's Fist did you guys at the end of your copies get the page that said turn the page for delicious rep- recipes straight from Nora's kitchen what no no yeah. I there's wonder, like... does Nora Roberts have a cookbook She's got like a chicken pot pie, a flank I'm steak, this some right now. baked white fish, some bread pudding. Oh my god, Nora. Nora yeah. can do everything. She's magic. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so that was the book. It was good. Genius. See, um, Nora there's Robert. an in Boonesboro cookbook, which is the cookbook of the inn that she runs. Aw, and proceeds from her cookbook go to food pantries. Oh, that's good. And the font, and the the cover of her cookbook is in papyrus font. (laughs) Could be worse. Everything about this is brilliant. It's only twenty six ninety nine. You Patreon goal. (laughs) (laughs) When we make twenty seven dollars a month, we'll buy it. Oh hell yes, I'm getting it now. Uh okay, so that's Angel's Fall. I think I think we said all the main important things, but who knows? Yeah. I if, mean if we didn't, we'll remember it and blurt it out in the middle of another segment, as we do. <laughs> I just one other thing I wanted to say that I like about this book is the main female character has a has a trauma, has a horrible trauma, and it has absolutely nothing to do with sexual assault. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, other horrible things can happen to women besides being raped or abused in some manner. Although the dead body in the marsh was raped. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. It's, but... I mean, it's a little different, but like, I kind of, in a similar thing, I like something similar about Whiskey Beach, which was that the female character had been assaulted, but like, had like worked through her trauma and was like at a point where it did not like affect her relationship. She didn't need the man to uh, heal her, but she was like, I've worked through this and I, you know, have had therapy and I have, and I am at a point where like, I think we can have a successful relationship and I don't need you to save me. 
Also, this book came out in 2007, uh, which was before we were having so many mass shootings. So, yeah. Yeah, prescient. There should actually be a lot more books about survivors of mass shootings. Well, right. one, of, one of the things about Nora Roberts is every time she has a new book, it's very relevant. She's very good at, at growing. It's interesting. Like her first books, if you read her first book, you're like, this is like just a basic romance plot. And all the characters are like that same sort of like weepy woman who's waiting for a man. And then you get to her more recent book and you're like, oh, the woman barely even likes the man. It's great. <laughs> Relatable. That's relatable. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, she she doesn't have any gay main characters, but there are a lot of gay characters in her books, so that's always nice. Maybe 2018 will be the year that Nora Roberts writes a queer romance. Maybe year one. Maybe it's in there. I oh oh. Let's talk about that when we get to Reader's Advisory, but I have questions about year one. Uh, okay, so let's move on to our dramatic readings. Huh? All right, sounds good. All right, and our first one is from um, very early on in the book when Reese is just arriving in town, and uh, Christine's gonna gonna read that for you. Yeah, I picked this one because this is basically my thought process whenever Nicole leaves me alone. <laughs> so this is... She's just gotten to the hotel. <laughs> Actually, she's just been dropped off at the hotel by Lowe, who tried to worm his way in, and she was like, hell no, boy, get out. She eased through the doorway, shut the door, flipped the deadbolt, then hooked the safety chain. Moving to the far side of the bed, she sat where she could look out the window at all that open space until she no longer had to work to keep her breath even. Steadier, she went back to check the peep to make sure the hallway was clear before she pushed, it, pushed a chair against the door. Once she checked the locks again, and the sturdiness of the dresser blocking the door to the adjoining room, she got ready for bed. She set, she set the alarm on the clock radio for five, then used her own travel alarm as a backup. She updated her journal, then bargained with herself over how many lights she could leave burning throughout the night. It was her first night in a new place. She was entitled to leave the light on, the desk burning, and the one in the bathroom. The bathroom didn't really count anyway. That was just for safety and convenience. She might have to get up in the middle of the night to pee. She took her flashlight out of her knapsack, set it by the bed. There could be a power failure caused by a fire. She wasn't the only one in the hotel, after all. Someone could fall asleep smoking in bed, or some kid could be playing with matches. God knew. The whole building could go up in flames at 3 a.m. for all she knew. Then she'd have to get out quickly. Having the flashlight close was just being prepared. The little tickle in her chest made her think longingly of the sleeping pills in her bathroom kit. Those and the antidepressants, the anti-anxiety medications, were just a security blanket, she reminded herself. It had been months since she'd taken a sleeping pill, and she was tired enough tonight to sleep without help. Besides, if there was a fire and a power failure, she'd be groggy and slow, end up burning to death or dying of smoke inhalation. And the idea of that had her sitting on the side of the bed with her head in her hands, cursing herself for having an overactive and foolish imagination. Just stop it, Reese. Stop it now and go to bed. You've got to get up early and perform basic functions like a normal human being. She made one more round with the locks before getting into bed. She lay very still, listening to her heart thud, listening for sounds from the next room, from the hallway, from outside the window. Safe, she told herself. She was perfectly safe. There wasn't going to be a fire. A bomb wasn't going to explode. No one was going to break into her room to murder her in her sleep. The sky was not going to fall. But she kept the TV on low and used the old black and white melodrama to lull her to sleep. 
hashtag it me. <laughs> so, yep. So that's Reese. Uh, and then our last dramatic reading is uh, Reese cooking dinner for Brody. And I'll be Brody and Christine will be Reese. And she's going to make me eat a fucking vegetable. When Brody walked in 30 minutes later, she was sliding the roast in beside the casserole. The table is set with his plates and candles she'd brought with her, along with dark blue napkins, wine glasses, and a little clear bowl that held what he thought were miniature roses and sunny yellow. There were the scents, as he'd imagined. Something succulent from the oven, something fresh from the pile of vegetables on the counter, and a combination of both the succulent and the fresh that was Reese. When she turned, he didn't see the nerves and the sorrow in her eyes. They were deep. They were dark. They were warm. I thought I'd... Oh. She took a step back as he strode to her, and a flicker of those nerves skipped across her face as he took her arms, lifted her to her toes. But it was the warmth he tasted when he took her mouth, the warmth flavored very subtly by the nerves. It was, for him, irresistible. Her arms were pinned between them, then her hands curled on his chest, gripped their way up to his shoulders. He swore he felt her melt. He released her, stepped back, and said, Hi. Yeah, hi. Uh, where am I again? He grinned. Where do you want to be? I guess I want to be right here. I was about to do something. Oh yeah, I was going to make martinis. No shit? Absolutely none. She moved to his refrigerator for ice to chill the two glasses she'd brought along, then stopped. You don't like martinis? What's not to like? Jeff didn't say you'd picked up any vodka. Jeff? Liquor store Jeff. Liquor store Jeff. She repeated with a nod, then sighed a little as she dumped ice into the martini glasses. What, did they post a list of my alcoholic purchases somewhere? Am I heading the line as town drunk? No, Wes Pritt's undefeated in that category. I called in because I figured you'd want wine, and if you'd already picked it up, I'd save myself the trip to town. Well, that was efficient. I didn't think of martinis until I was putting everything together to come by. I borrowed the glasses and shaker from Linda Gale. She got them to make Cosmos a couple years back. He stood back, watched her measure and shake, toss the ice, pour, add olives on long blue picks to the drinks. Then he studied the results in the glass she handed him. I haven't had a martini in... I don't know. It's not the sort of thing you order in Clancy's. Well then, to a touch of urban sophistication in the fist. She touched her glass to his, waited till he'd sipped. Damn good martini. You're something. Or other. Try this. She lifted a small dish in which what looked like stuffed celery was arranged in some intricate geometric pattern. What's in it? State secret, but primarily smoked gouda and sun-dried tomatoes. He wasn't a big fan of raw celery, but figuring the vodka would kill the taste, he gave it a shot and changed his position. Whatever the state secret might be, it does a hell of a lot more for celery than the peanut butter my mother used to dump on it. I should hope so. You can sit down. Enjoy. I'm going to make the salad. He didn't sit, but he did enjoy watching her roast pine nuts. Imagine that. She was roasting pine nuts. Then he saw her putting leafy stuff in the skillet. He had an innate suspicion of leafy stuff in the first place, 
much less when you put that leafy stuff in a pan on the stove. You're cooking a salad? I'm preparing a spinach and red cabbage salad with pine nuts and a little gorgonzola. I couldn't believe Mac ordered gorgonzola when I met, just mentioned last week. I wish I could get my hands on some. Sweet on you, remember? I feel very lucky to have the man who can get me gorgonzola sweet on me. Anyway, Doc Wall said I needed more iron. Spinach is loaded with it. She caught his expression out of the corner of her eye and swallowed a laugh. You're a big boy. If you don't like it, you don't have to finish it. Sucker. <laughs> he does like it, though, because she's an amazing cook. And it turns out veg- vegetables aren't so bad after all. I don't know. I'm with Brody. I think <laughs> Citation needed. <laughs> Actually... I think Blue Apron is kind of like my Reese in that it gets me any vegetables. Um, Christine, we are not sponsored by Blue Apron. You should be. <laughs> I'm happy to do a little ad for you. Go to blueapron.com and use the promo code Steaks and Cakes. <laughs> <laughs> it will get you nothing. <laughs> Some other podcast can get you a free box. <laughs> uh, so let's segue then into Would You Rather. Sounds good. Would you rather have actually seen a murder or just made it all up in your head? What kind of murder is it? The murder that Reese saw. All right. Second, second question. When I make it up all in my head, do I know that I've made it up in my head? Or do I think that I've seen a real murder and then it's proven to me that actually, really, I just made it all up in my head? That one. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather make it up just because then, you know, then I need some help, but nobody has died in that case. I think it wholly depends on who I'm murdering. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, that is a very good point. But obviously, I I don't want to really murder somebody. Yeah, the feds are listening to this podcast, so let's all get it on record. None of us want to murder anyone. No, no one. No one. Definitely not Agent Smith. <laughs> I was going to say definitely not the current president. No, absolutely not. Definitely God protect him. That's too far. You've gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> all uh, right, all right. Direction. Uh, 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 would you rather be... A- Wait, no, you guys didn't even answer the question yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'd rather imagine a murder... Yeah, same. Yeah, although it would be troubling, for sure. Yeah. All right, how about, would you rather be a traumatized but working on it cook, like Reese, or a traumatized but working on it masseuse slash housekeeper slash yoga instructor slash jewelry designer like Abra from Whiskey Beach? I think I'd rather be the cook, because then I could make food and eat it. I'd rather be the cook because yoga sucks. Mm. I'm I'm going to take the Abra route, actually, because I think usually being a cook, like you have to be on your feet a lot, it seems annoying. Uh, I, I actually do like yoga. I, I like about half of the things that Abra does. I could, <laughs> and I could probably listen to a lot of podcasts if I'm doing housekeeping work. So You can listen to podcasts while you're cooking. I don't, not if you're like in a big kitchen. You gotta yell at people. Yeah, but think about if you're trying to survive the zombie apocalypse, what's going to become more useful? Yoga. 
<laughs> no, listen, Christine, the minute there's a zombie apocalypse, I'm just surrendering. I can't deal with that. I'm I'm not Same. I'm not prepared for a post-apocalyptic environment in any way. Absolutely. Right. That's, that's fair. Uh, okay. Uh, last up, would you rather eat at Angel Food, which is a.k.a. Joni's Diner, or Steaks and Cakes, the restaurant from Christian Mingle the movie that only serves steaks and cakes and is our sponsor? And not Blue Apron. Blue Apron, not an option. <laughs> uh, you know, Angel Food sounds really good. But sometimes you just want to have an entire platter of steaks and then a whole cake. So I'm going to have to go with Steaks and Cakes, our beloved sponsor. I mean, the thing is, Angel Food doesn't even have fresh herbs. It's true. I mean, Steaks and Cakes doesn't either because they just serve steaks and cakes. (laughs) But I don't need herbs in my cakes. Uh, Is wheat an herb? No, wheat's a grass. Anyway, steaks and cakes, obviously, but only for cake. I would eat angel food at Angel Food because I only order cheeseburgers when I go out. So obviously, they don't have that at steaks and cakes. They don't. You're correct. <laughs> All right, and now we're gonna play a quick bonus round of our other our other game, uh, fucking, marrying, killing, which of course is in tribute to Bill O'Reilly's Killing series. So we must use Jaren's. And our first round is uh, Brody, Low, and Serge, who we did not mention at all, but is the European stylist who Reese goes to get a haircut from and then also ends up connecting her with the murder victim. All we know about him is that he's European and does hair. I think I would fuck Low because Uh, he's real good at it. Kate, fucking... Fucking, I'm sorry, you're right. I would fucking low because he's real good at it. Uh, I would marry Brody Marianne. because ma- I would marry, you're right. God, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just, I'm thrown off because we played regular fuck, Mary kill at our book club on Sunday mm. and it just, it's, it's stuck in my head now. Yeah. Well, uh, I was going to say you're traumatized from having seen a murder and, you know, putting bowls in your closet. That, that also, that <laughs> also true. Weirdly, coincidentally, they both happened at the same time. <laughs> Our book club got crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I would fucking low because he's real good at it. I would marrying Brody because he seems pretty chill and I'm into him. And I would killing Serge because we only knew him for like one chapter and who gives a shit? Uh, let's see. I would fucking Brody because he's... He's all like a recluse and one and done. Uh, I would marrying Serge because I'm I'd get free haircuts for life, mm. uh, and I would definitely killing Low because who wants to do a guy more than once? I, okay, I'm gonna marrying Brody uh, because he is basically Wolverine, who I love. Uh, I'm I think I'm going to fucking Serge because I think that could be fun, like a little trip into the city. And I'm I'm killing low. Um, I I do take Kate's point that he probably would be pretty good at fucking, but maybe too good. Well, we never did mention that low is short for Lothario, oh, yeah. which is his nickname because his real name is actually William. Yes. 
And also that he's so good at fucking that after he dumps women, after he's fucked them a couple times, they don't even get mad at him. Yeah. He's very charming. Hashtag not all men. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How about fucking marrying, killing Reese, Linda Gale, and Joni? So the main character, her waitress BFF, and then her boss at the diner. Um, I think I would marrying Joni because she just is like no nonsense and she owns a diner and I love her. I would fucking Reese because she does seem real good at sex and killing Linda Gale just process of elimination. Uh, I would also be marrying Joni because she's clearly got a lot of money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh I'm fucking Reese because she can make you like vegetables, which seems great. Yeah. Uh, and I'm killing Linda Gale because she's got two first names and that's not right. Mm. All right. I'm, I'm marrying Joni because that is obviously the correct choice. Uh, I'm going to fucking Linda Gale. We're going to have some Cosmos and go out to karaoke and then fucking. And I'm killing Reese because she's too skinny. <laughs> That's legit. <laughs> All right. Christine proposed a third round of fucking marrying killing with Pete, Mac, and Doc. I don't remember who Pete is. Pete is I don't the either. Dishwasher. I was going to ask that. Oh, the dishwasher right. dishwasher that gets his hand cut. Oh, okay. Actually, I don't really remember um, who Mac is either. Mac is He's uh, the, the general owner. Oh, right. Mr. Drummer. Yeah, who gets her the Gorgonzola. Yeah. Okay. I think I would marrying Mac because he seemed very sweet and also he owned the general store so he could hook you up with shit. Such as cheeses. Yes. I would fucking Pete because he seemed like 20-something and killing Doc, who seemed perfectly nice, but he also seemed like older and I'm not into that. Well, also, he kind of was low-key gaslighting Reese also. That is also true, Like, yes. in a nice way, but he did not believe her. Uh, so, yeah, I, w- I would killing him. Yeah, I'll co-sign all of Kate's I'll marrying Mac and fucking Pete. Yeah, I mean, that's that's three for three. All right, well, I'll see you at our wedding. <laughs> our, our group wedding, too. Yeah. <laughs> Don't, I mean, Nora Roberts has done a lot of three weddings in a book, so it's totally, it's on brand. Let us move on to our reader's advisory, where we'll suggest some books to read instead of or in addition to this book, which definitely you should read this book. But um, for starters, since Christine has read many more Nora Roberts books than we have, uh, you want to tell us about some of your other faves? Yeah, I listed a couple. Uh, one is Carolina Moon. Uh, if you want a little psychic with your psycho, uh, yeah, the main character has sort of like psychic abilities and there's also a movie about that with Claire Fiorentino or whatever, and some other famous guy. I can't remember his name. Nice. Uh, and then there's three fates. Uh, if you want mythology with your murder, uh, it's basically about a family of two brothers and a sister who are looking for these statuettes of the fates. And of course they run into three 
uh, two women and a, one man that match up with them perfectly. Uh, so that's a pretty interesting book. And uh, then we just briefly a- we briefly mentioned earlier Year One, which is her new like post apocalyptic one. Have you read that one? I'm not. I'm more up to date with her JD Robb books. Oh. But uh, it, I definitely saw it, and I was like, I never expected Nora Roberts to write apocalyptic fiction. But I mean, she's got a trilogy about vampires, so why wouldn't she? Wait, do she it? does? Yeah. What ones? I think it's called The Circle. I can I can look them up for you, but yeah. That's that's also L.J. Smith series about witches, but I guess it's not a very uh, uh, you know, original I guess, yeah, title. It's just a shape. I mean, yeah, that's the that's the series name. I can't. That I mean, it might be something. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but yeah, I have it on my shelf. Nice. Well, we'll we'll figure it out and post it on our website, which is worstbestsellers.com. Um, I will say something about year one. I think I read the summary of it and uh, something made me concerned that bad things were happening to animals in it. And so I was not sure. I mean, also yeah. a lot of humans died, but that's actually fine. But uh, <laughs> I, I, mm, unclear. I'll, I'll consult does the dog die.com and see if it's listed. Yeah. I'm not cool with that's dying, which is segues into my third, uh, suggestion which is not a book but it's person of interest which is my total favorite television show which an, with an ai jesus a sociopath and a psychopath and a dog i need to be clear this is ai comma jesus not an ai jesus that's true yeah they're two separate entities unfortunately that's fine but there is a dog and the dog doesn't die so that's the best part yes great um i got a couple i kind of just like went with cooking and rolled with it uh, we've mentioned this series before on the podcast, but To All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Han. So good. The main character in that bakes a lot of cookies, and baking cookies is kind of like cooking, I guess. In a similar vein, The Upside of Unrequited by Becky Abertelli. Also, the main character bakes things, which is sort of like cooking. So those are totally related. Also, you should totally watch The Baby Chefs, MasterChef Junior. It's adorable. It is the best show. Uh, I don't know when the next season is starting, but like hunt down the old episodes. They're adorable. But does it have a dog? I don't believe so. It does have Baby Chefs, though. Or you can watch my favorite cooking show, which is Chopped. I do also endorse Chopped. Yeah. I actually haven't watched... I like actually Chopped is pretty much the only cooking show that I watch. I don't know. But I also will recommend uh, a newsletter, which is the Stained Page newsletter. It's a tiny letter that Paula Forbes, who was a guest on this very podcast when we did the Outlander cookbook. Um, She's a food writer. She has her own cookbook coming out soon. And she has this newsletter where she sends out weekly like reviews of cookbooks and other like food writing uh, articles and such um it's called stain page we'll link to it if you're at all into like food and food writing you should subscribe to it because it's cool going down that road it didn't even occur to me but ruby tando who was a contestant on the great british bake-off has a tiny litter uh that will link to as well which i love like it regularly makes me cry and it's very good. And she also has, she's got a couple books and she's got a new one coming out this year. But her newsletter is so good. Newsletters. They're fun. 
Yay. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we're getting to the end of the podcast. I'm used up a lot of words. True. Okay, real quick, what's our candy pairing? Uh, I went with hotel chocolates because you know that you have a true friend when they have a supplier that can hook you up. That happens like in the Gale. book, but we didn't mention it earlier. Linda Gale's got it going on. Uh, my candy pairing is uh, the same as my candy pairing for Outlander, actually, which is just herbs, because uh, uh, Reese is really into herbs, and it made me laugh. My candy pairing is trail mix, because uh, there are some annoying things that you might want to pick out, but overall, you know, it's a pretty good snack, and I'm into it. Make sure there's some Muddy Buddies in there. Yeah, I was going to say, this book is a trail mix that's very heavy on the M&Ms, for sure. Well, I'm, I'm, my, my trail mix does not have that many M&Ms in it, but, you know, to each their own. That's the joy of trail mix. You can make it however you want. Wait, your personal trail mix, or are you talking about your trail mix as a metaphor for the book? My, my personal trail mix, which would also be my metaphor for the book, I don't like M&Ms, is basically what I'm saying. So that if I was making this book into trail mix, it would not have very many M&Ms in it. Okay. Yes. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> all right. Uh, now that we've gotten all this bullshit out of the way, let's play the rock, paper, snicks. All right. It's all been leading to this moment where Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, which he is, and Christine will choose which most enhances the book or paper, which is leave the book as is. All right. If Dwayne the Rock Johnson were in this book, he would basically take the role of Mac Drubber. Uh, he'd be the kindly dude who helped Reese with, with her car when she first came into town and went out of his way to welcome her and make sure someone was looking out for her. And uh, being The Rock, he would play a little bit of a bigger role than Mac does in the book as it stands. He'd be one of the only people in town that believes Reese. And there'd be probably a couple touching scenes where he would assure her that she wasn't crazy and that he believed that someone was harassing her. And then also he'd run out into the woods with her during the final confrontation and probably single-handedly take down Rick without anyone actually getting shot. And also he would have a bunny just because. Oh, he should have a bunny. I agree. All right. Uh, so as I've mentioned before, Brody is, is Wolverine. Uh, it's that same sort of character archetype, but... So he just he just would be Wolverine. And so instead of working on his book, he would just be in a cabin for like some manly alone time, as Wolverine frequently needs to have. And so he would, you know, Brody had all this insight about murder because of his research, and Wolverine would know it just from like firsthand experience of being Wolverine. Uh, and so the book would play out identically, except at the end when he gets shot, he would heal very quickly from that. And also, probably there would be a teenage girl in town who he would be friends with in a totally normal and not creepy way. I have a very important question that is going to depend on my answer here. Yes. Um, is Wolverine wearing his mask or not? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like in his off time. He's like in his off time when he wears like the leather jacket and jeans and like seven cigars. Like the one outfit from the animated series where it's just like the orange flannel shirt and jeans and the bomber jacket. Yeah, it's that. But his hair <laughs> is still extremely pointy, though. That's true. All right, then, in that case, 
I got to go with paper because you just can't improve on this book unless there is a superhero mask involved. I respect that. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) All right. Uh, By the way, if you like the Rock Paper Snicked as much as we do, we have recently launched our Redbubble store that has an incredible the Rock Paper Snicked logo that you can put on things and own those things. Wear them on your body or put them on your wall or use them to tell time. All all kinds of shit you can do with this. We'll tell you more about that in a few minutes. But first, what do you guys think the moral of the story was? Uh, The moral of the story to me, thinking back to how this all started with Reese going on a hike, is that exercise is for chumps. Yeah, my moral is that it's not paranoia if they're really out to get you. And to Kate's point, also never, ever, under any circumstance, go hiking. My moral of the story is fuck the police, but not literally. (laughs) Thank you. Good moral. (laughs) All right, now it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my precious angel Duarte will share his opinions about the book. Yeah, Duarte, I completely agree. Black Hills is better than this book because I had cats in it. And that is that is really something Nora should work on, is just more cats in her books. Yeah, I can understand why you would think that a cat was missing from this book. But also, like, just imagine all the terrible things that could have happened to a cat uh, when this heartless man Rick was trying to gaslight Reese. You don't want to uh, expose a cat to that. Oh, yeah. Cats and gaslight do not go well together. <laughs> All right. Well, that that is good. That is true. I mean, I'm still recovering from warriors. So let's oh. move on. <laughs> uh, do any humans have any closing thoughts? Uh, this is actually a closing thought about warriors. And oh, I, maybe sh- maybe isn't appropriate for the podcast, but I was at your house this weekend and I saw the warriors chalkboard in the kitchen yeah. and I laughed a lot. <laughs> I drew that when you were there to do the podcast, but I guess well, I you did not notice. Kitchen. <laughs> well, good, good thing for you that I rarely change the kitchen chalkboard. <laughs> Learning so much about Renata right now. <laughs> And there's no fresh herbs in my kitchen either. (laughs) Hashtag the worst. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll say I'm glad we did Nora Roberts month. I think we should do it again. I don't know. Maybe like in April. (laughs) Yeah. When you, if you guys ever want to dive into JD Robbs, please let me know though. She's kind of heavy on the murder and sexual assault. That's fine. As long as it's not to pets. Uh, I don't think so to the pets. Great. <laughs> I mean, I love a good murder. That's why I was at Renata's house, was I was solving a murder. Oh, I'm glad you said solving. <laughs> well, we're doing, we're not sure yet. We're we're waiting to see how this subscription box of murder pans out. We hey, might be doing the murder. Don't talk about this until the murder box uh, is our sponsor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Also, Agent what Smith, I said. No, one is, no one is actually doing a murder. Please, <laughs> please remember that no one is doing a murder. Thank you. But if the murder box, if you're listening from the murder box company and you want to sponsor our podcast, we're down. 
Yeah, if you're from the Murderbox Company and you'd like to follow us on Facebook, we're uh, facebook.com slash worstbestsellers, or we're on Twitter at worstbestseller with no S on the end, because uh, this guy keeps taking my letters, and I, no one believes it, but it's true. It's probably in my backpack. Uh, <laughs> the <Check> S. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, also, we have a Goodreads group. Get get to our website, worstbestsellers.com, and then just click on every link there, and it'll take you all the places you need to go. <laughs> you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please, if you do subscribe to us, take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it bumps us up a little bit on the charts and makes it easier for new listeners to find us. Uh, If you don't rate and review us, we will be forced to break into your house when you're not there and rearrange your cabinets so that you think you're going crazy. Just it's what we're going to have to do. So just make it easier on all of us and rate and review us. Uh, You can also uh, subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. If you're unfamiliar with Patreon, it is a... A place where you make a small recurring monthly donation that goes to us to help improve the podcast, pay our editor, do things like... um, Buy a Nora Roberts cookbook. Buy a Nora Roberts cookbook or commission an artist to make a rock, paper, snicked logo. And uh, you get some perks in exchange for doing that. Speaking of the rock, paper, snicked logo... At redbubble.com slash people slash worst bestseller with no S because those S's are missing still, you can find our merch store with tons of stupid things with our podcast on them that you can wear on your body or use to drink coffee or tea if you're Reese Mm -hmm. um, or tell time or hold your pencils. Stickers you can put on your car for when it breaks down in a small town garage. Exactly. And speaking of Patreon, if you are one of our patrons, you can get a discount on that sweet merch. If you're not a patron, you gotta pay full price. Truth. <sighs> All right. Uh, this is this is such a good time. I'm so so happy we did this, Christine. So glad you could join us. Thank you. Uh, oh, I forgot to say, uh, you can find me personally on the internet at Renata Snacks. You can find me personally on Twitter at 14 across. I'm an internet recluse, so you can't really find me anywhere, though. If you want to read future worst bestsellers, I uh, I do have some short story collections on Amazon, which I can put a link to in the page. Yeah, yes. we will link to those. Plus, you're also going to want to read, you know, the stories that I made Kate write for my collection. That's true. I do have stories in one of those collections, and they're not bad. They're brilliant. <laughs> Way to sell it. Way to sell it. <laughs> well, Christine and Nicole's stories and Kale's poetry are all very good. My stories my stories aren't bad. <laughs> They're great. I only had to send her like four emails to remind her to be on time with them. It's true. I, I was I was very on time. There was very functional. One that was pretty late, but such is life. Such is life. Uh, you know who knows about what life is like is the author of our book for next time, which is Helen Gurley Brown, who wrote a book called Having It All. And we're going to read it. God bless. It's true. We are going to do that. And with, with a very special guest. Yes, with a very special guest. I'm pretty stoked about our next guest. It's going to be even better than Christine. Oh. 
I, I mean, know. it'll be hard. It's, it's hard. a really it's high bar. Of, it's a you really should have waited yeah. till I was off the line before you said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought you were. I thought uh, this is so awkward. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> goodbye. <still here. laughs> what? <laughs> I'm being gaslit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank, thanks, Christine, for uh, joining us and letting me nag you. And, and thanks, everyone else, for listening. Yes. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>